Well, good morning again. Um, thank you again for joining us for this time of worship. Uh, I hope you and your family um, are, are feeling the Lord's presence as we get ready to enter into the Word. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them out. We're going to be in Philippians, uh, in Philippians 1 still. Um, let's bow in prayer together. Father, we thank you that you are fully in control. That as we watch the, the maps of COVID-19 grow, as we hear people speculate into how long this is going to go on, as we hear people speculate how bad it's going to get, how many people are going to be impacted, we know that there's not a spot on those map, on those maps, there's not a turn of that calendar and how long this will go. There's not a single individual impacted by this over which you are not sovereign. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that there's no place we can go where your spirit is not. And that you are just as present now in our homes as you would be if we were together in the sanctuary. Lord, I pray that you would filter out all the distractions uh, that we have, uh, the, the toys in our house, the, uh, the phone going off, the dog barking. Filter out all those distractions, Lord. Um, and help us over these next uh, series of minutes to focus in on your word and what you have to say to us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, most college freshmen, and I was one of them, uh, just flat out guess wrong. They, they host high school graduation parties uh, when they get out of high school and at those parties, dozens of people ask them, what are you going to do? What are you majoring in? And they just guess wrong. And that's really all it is as a guess is they think, oh, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to be a surgeon. And it's like, you, you couldn't even pass basic biology. Why are you going to be a surgeon? And um, For me, it was, I was going to go into business administration management. Um, and that was a terrible guess. Uh, which was revealed by an accounting class. Uh, it was just a horrible idea for me to go into that. Uh, and for those who uh, end up doing something other than what they thought they would upon graduating high school, there are a multitude of factors. Sometimes it's they got to college and they realized, well, I want a different kind of life than what I thought that major was going to be. Or um, I'd rather use my mind to accomplish something else. Or their crush is studying in a different part of the campus and so they want to study in that part of the campus as well. And then there's people that are completely different than me. People who, they graduate high school, and they tell you all their plans. I'm going to go to this college, then I'm going to go to this grad school, then I'm going to go get this extra grad school stuff, and then I'm going to get this job. And they talk about it as though it's already happened, because they have that much of their future planned out. And, and you stay friends with those people because you want to be with them and watch all the ups and downs. And then when they don't do it, you just want to laugh at them, say, you were wrong, I knew it, and walk away and never speak to them again. No, that's not true. You want to watch them persevere. You want to watch them 
uh, cram for those entrance exams and you want to watch them succeed and celebrate that. And you watch those people go through and they, they get their grad degrees and they, they get the first name doctor and they do all these things and they do it because somewhere in there, there was a prime motivator that moved them along, that kept them going when it got really hard, that helped uh, have what we talked about a couple weeks ago, where Paul had a singular joy. And in what you do, in how you've gotten where you are, whether you changed your major a dozen times, never changed at all, never even went to college, haven't gone to college yet, whatever it is, you, there's been a motivator moving you along. And where has your motivator led you? Has it, has it let you down? Has it been a good motivator that's led you to success? When I was graduating high school, I had not locked in a good enough motivator other than the desire to sit in an office overlooking a city and have someone bring me coffee. Uh, it's super shallow. I, I, I repent of that. I hope I'm more sanctified now. Um, but think about what your motivator is. Write it down. You know, a couple weeks ago, we looked at Paul's singular joy, which was the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this, this week, it's where his motivator leads him. So if you have your Bibles, pull them out and, and follow along. We're going to start reading at the, second, at the end of verse 18 in chapter 1. Paul has just talked about his rejoicing. Even though he's in prison, he's rejoicing because Christ has become known through the whole imperial guard and uh, and. The brothers are preaching. Most of them have become very confident in their preaching. And a lot of them do it out of love. Some do it out of rivalry, trying to stir up trouble for Paul. But what he's rejoicing in is that Christ is being proclaimed. And that's great news. And so he leaves off, in that I rejoice. And where we pick up, he says, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, which, yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is, that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul, motivated by a singular joy of the gospel, Paul's hope, future, and purpose are for the ultimate exaltation and glory of Christ. First of all, we're going to look at the hope he has here. In that first section, in verses 18 to 21, he's just said, I will rejoice, and now he says, I'll rejoice again. Remember, Paul's in prison. People are preaching the gospel to create trouble for him. He cannot stop rejoicing. I don't even think his rejoicing would have been contained by a COVID-19 quarantine. He cannot stop rejoicing because Christ is being proclaimed. 
And, but he says this, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. The supply of their prayers, and, and Paul continued rejoicing because of the supply of their prayers and because he knew his ultimate need was Christ himself. Paul, and all that had happened to him, good and bad, and all the beatings he had endured, the trials that were unjust that he had gone through, sitting in prison, the miracles that have happened right in front of his eyes, he knows in the midst of all of that, good and bad, his greatest need is Jesus. And he rejoices and rests in that, and he, he contributes part of that to their prayers. I know that through your prayers... And the help of the Spirit. Westchester, it's so hard being apart right now. Like right now, I'm, I'm in the sanctuary with three other people preaching my sermon. It's weird. It's hard. I miss you guys. We miss each other. Your prayers, though, for each other, our prayers for each other as a church, means so much and accomplished so much more than we realize. Paul is in prison in Rome. He's under house arrest. And he says, your prayers. I, re I rejoice again because of your prayers. And the Spirit of Jesus Christ, he knows that through those things, this will turn out for his deliverance. And he speaks at the end of this passage of his hope and desire to go see them again. But the, the deliverance he's speaking about here isn't deliverance from prison. It's not the liberty that he's looking for. It's his salvation. The word he uses for deliverance here is, 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 has the same root as, as the Greek word for salvation. Paul isn't concerned about his liberty. He's concerned about his spiritual health and salvation. He cares more about his spiritual deliverance than his physical freedom. This, this last week has just been inconvenience after inconvenience for us, and, and it's, it's going to keep going. And we may, we may get to a point where we say, in hindsight, it was all worth it. And we may get to a point where we say, in hindsight, we blew it way out of proportion. But this is what I want you to know today. Not in hindsight, but in present sight and foresight, your salvation is of much greater worth than anything else that's going on right now. Paul does hope for freedom. He does hope to have a longer ministry to the Philippians. But here, he's rejoicing Because of what Jesus has done for him. And his rejoicing is from the Spirit. And it's part of the fruit of his salvation. His joy is coming out. Because the fruit of the Spirit is not stifled by a physical circumstance. He also has this Spirit-led confidence. It, and this, this deals with more of how the Holy Spirit helps us in our lives. See, the Holy Spirit, He convicts us of our sin. He gifts us for ministry. He leads us in truth. But another thing the Spirit does is the Spirit gives us the ability to speak truth 
in moments of confrontation, in moments of difficulty. Jesus said, the helper is going to come and he's going to give you the words to say when you stand in front of judges. Paul's waiting to stand and he knows that the Holy Spirit is going to give him the words just as the Holy Spirit gave him the words in, in, in front of the king of Agrippa, in front of Felix, in front of all the different Sanhedrins he stood in front of over his years. And I think it's so interesting. His, his request here is counter to what we often ask. And I think we need to take note of that. His request is not, oh, and, and pray that I'll have the right words to say the right things to get out of here. He doesn't say, pray that this will all come to an end soon. No. He says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. What he's praying here for specifically, what he's asking for specifically, and I think he's submitting this to them as a prayer request, is for boldness, for for outspokenness. He is wanting to be outspoken for the gospel. That it would be plainness of speech and conceal nothing or pass over nothing. Paul wants to get in front of the highest ranking official he can and say, Jesus died for your sins. He died for mine too. My life has been changed as can yours. He's wanting to miss nothing. Even in front of those who can have him killed for it. We need help in this. We need the Holy Spirit's help in this. So that when we have opportunities, whether it's to a, a family member or a coworker or a classmate or a neighbor, who, whoever it is, who's saying, why, why are you so peaceful right now? The whole world's freaking out about this virus. Why are you so peaceful? Why can you have joy right now? I pray that the Holy Spirit would give you and myself outspokenness, plainness of speech that conceals nothing and passes over nothing, that we would have this courage, that we would not be ashamed, but with full courage, that we would speak the truth. And he says this, that with full courage, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by death or by life, the word honored here, you know, I use the ESVA. I, I know a lot of you do. It's, it's what we preach from here at church. The word honored really understates this. It's really, he's saying, that Christ will be declared great in my body, whether in death or in life. That Christ will be exalted. This is my hope, that whether I live or whether I die, Christ will be exalted in my body. So that this will happen. This is the whole point of it. I just have to ask, like, is, am I this concerned that Christ be declared great in my body? That I say, this whole body, God, that you've given me is for your glory. It's the heart that we see Christ take in Philippians 2. Like what I, what I put out last Sunday, if you saw that video on Facebook. That, that Christ be declared in my whole body, that we follow in Christ's example of humility and suffering, that we follow his example of serving the poor, of loving people that society has marginalized. 
of loving each other, of loving God supremely, that we follow Christ's example of speaking the truth in love. I think also Paul's statement here in let Christ be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. This sounds a lot like Romans 12. That in view of God's mercy, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. This is our spiritual act of worship. God, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know what next week is going to bring. I don't know if if I'm going to get sick, if someone I know is going to get sick. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do my job the way I need to do it. But Lord, my body belongs to you. Use it however will bring you glory. And the way you decide is what's right. That's Paul's hope that Christ will be honored. Now we get to his future. Paul's future, verses 22 to 24. uh, Or or I'm going to, verse 21, I'm sorry. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's where he goes right after this. My whole body is to declare the greatness of Christ. For, you know what? For me, if, if I live, that's Christ. If I die, that's gain. This is one of the most well-known verses, not only in Philippians, but the whole Bible, really. It's simple, profound. It, it, it clearly lays out the previously stated hope of Paul, that whether in life or death, Christ would be declared great. This body is going to declare Christ's greatness. It's just which way? To live as Christ. Think about that statement. Think about the last time you saw a shirt. Maybe maybe it's Nike or Under Armour. I don't know. And it just says like ball is life, golf is life, fishing is life, which is actually that one's pretty close to true. And also think about the last time you used the phrase, ah, This is the life. If you're anything like me at all, that moment came when you had what you wanted, whether it was tranquility, an ocean view, a nice medium rare steak, I don't know. But unfortunately, most of the times I use the phrase, ah, this is the life. It's when I feel like life is serving me. And when I'm serving Christ, is my confession, that's not always when I say, this is the life. It's kind of rare that I do. And that's a problem. For us to finish the phrase, to live is, unfortunately, I don't know that our Savior is the first choice. He might not even make the top three or top five. But Paul's words, to live is Christ. This example that it is, it's to follow Christ in His humility and His service and His trajectory. That we lay down everything for the glory of God. 
And then he says, to die is gain. Well, this one's obvious for us. I mean, Paul did not see his own death as something to dread, but a finish line. This is what he was racing towards. He's going as fast as he can to heaven without intentionally harming himself. Heaven is the whole point of it. Paul saw death as a moment, as the moment that everything started. The moment physical pain would end and he would be fully united with his Savior. As Christ followers, we we don't hurry death, but we don't dread it either. And so Paul lays this out here like he has a fork in the road. Well, what what shall I choose? I I can't tell. You know, it's, it's like Paul was was quoting the clash a little bit here. Should I stay or should I go now? Uh, he, he would have said, should I stay or should I go now? If I go, there will be glory, but if I stay, it will be double. It, it, it's hard to make it rhyme and have it theologically correct. Um, and I don't believe Paul had necessarily a list, literary choice. I don't think he's sitting there and, and the moment he says, okay, Jesus, I'm ready to punch my ticket, he's off. Um, But I, I do think he's, he's trying to think of where to set his focus. Jesus had a moment in ministry where he set his gaze to Jerusalem. Now it's time to go to the cross. And I think Paul's trying to decide, where's my gaze going to be set? Is it going to be set on earthly ministry or just primarily going home to heaven? And his conclusion is that there are still people he can help follow Jesus. People that he can help declare that Jesus is great and that he could possibly add to the glory received by Jesus. Paul knows that Christ will be declared great when he dies, but if he lives a little longer, maybe he can add to the number of people he's preached the gospel to. Maybe he can add to the understanding of believers he works with so that they can be more fruitful in their lives. So his future is set. His future that he's setting his eyes to is to keep going in earthly ministry. To live is Christ, to die is gain, let Jesus be lifted high. I want to help you keep following Jesus. And this gets to his purpose. Let's read verses 25 and 26. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul's purpose and pursuit of in, is increasing the worship of Jesus through these people. And by doing that, he wants to see their progress. This is the same goal he has for Timothy. Timothy, keep preaching that others may see your progress. This is not a legalistic demand of unrealistic holiness. It's progress. And as a reader of the word, I'm just so thankful for this. Because I can do progress. There's so many things I'm terrible at, but progress, I think I can do progress. I don't need to be perfect tomorrow. I don't need to be perfect next month or next year. 
I need progress. I need to grow. Paul wants them to grow in how they follow Jesus, to grow in how they declare Jesus is great with their bodies. And as your pastor, I want the same for you. I don't care who in our church can quote the most Bible verses. I don't know how much anyone gives. I I do want you to learn to move when you sing, but we'll work on that another day. I, I don't care who the best evangelism evangelist is in our church. But I care that you grow. That you walk with Jesus. That you bear fruit. And that you grow in your faith. That you grow in prayer. That you find it easier to pray for longer amounts of time. To pour your heart out for God. And would you take this time in our country to make, make this an emphasis and maybe for you, it's as simple as, I'm going I'm to set a timer for five minutes and I'm going to pray for my country. I'm going to pray for my city leaders for five minutes. We all have a lot more downtime right now. Find a Bible reading plan. Grow in your reading. I want us to, over the course of the next year, two years, however long God has all of us together here at church, would we grow in our righteousness? Would we grow in our evangelism so that we can see more people in our community coming to know Jesus and glorify Him with their bodies too. I want us to grow in justice, to care as much about the poor as Jesus does. I want us to grow in humility, so that we don't go around thinking we're the ones that have it all together. So we're not judgmental the people we run into at the store who look different than us or act different than us, but that we see them either as a brother and sister in Christ or someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. And that we look for opportunities to serve. He says, for your progress and your joy in the faith. Paul wants them to grow in their enjoyment of God and the benefits of experiencing His love. Um, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord will outshine earthly happiness. And there's, with all the anxiety that's going on right now, our joy can be one of the strongest testaments to the grace of Jesus. Our peace can be one of the greatest testaments to the grace of Jesus. And Paul also wants to cause the glory of Christ, ample cause for the glory of Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And that, and that he wants to keep discipling them, but he's really concerned ultimately about the worship of Jesus. You know, I think there's, when we're together, and I, I can't wait for us to be together again. I really can't. When we're together, there's an emotional experience to all being together in the room, to filling this room with your voices. And, and Westchester, you guys are such a, a good singing church that when I'm in front before the sermons, I can hear you singing as much as I can hear the praise team in front of me coming through the speakers. 
And there's an emotional excitement to that. And I anticipate when we get together, it's going to be very emotional to be back together again. And there's a heightened awareness of worship in that. But I want you to realize God is just as worthy of praise today as he was two weeks ago when we were together in the sanctuary. And as he will be in however long it is until we're in the sanctuary together again. Let's worship God. Not just in singing, though. Let's worship God in discipling each other. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to take in-home discipleship with your children more seriously and set more intention to it because you don't have the normal Sunday school things going on. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to donate to some food banks and care about the poor because they're hurting, too, right now. Or just to reach out to your neighbor and make sure they're okay. What Paul's ultimately demonstrating here in in his perspective, in his purpose, in his hope, in how he views his future, is a complete yielding to the lordship of Christ. Who can I help worship Jesus? How can I most worship Jesus? And my body, whether I live or or die, is for declaring Jesus is great. And as you think about the worship of Jesus. I especially want to focus in, as I studied this, that, that really stuck out to me. That Christ will be, whether in life or death, Christ will be honored in my, in my body. And there's so much talk right now about, oh, it's my body, it's, it's what I say goes. There's a lot of talk about caring for your body. Uh, there's all the ways to do that and enjoying it, how I get pleasure, whatever that is. Um, if, you're, if you're taking notes on something, uh, I want you to write this down. If you're not, I want you to pause the video, go grab a sticky note and come back and press play. I want you to write down, my body is for the glory of Jesus. And when we're done, I want you to go put it on your bathroom mirror. My body is for the glory of Jesus. And think about this. How do I honor Jesus in how I, in how I rest? How do I honor Jesus in how I play? How do I honor Jesus in how I work? In how I serve others? In how I speak? In how I, speaking is part of how I use my body. So what am I saying to other people? How am I talking to them? How am I using my eyes? What am I filling my eyes with? Because that's part of using your body. So many times we limit using our body to either working for others or keeping it sexually pure. And there's so many things outside of that we use our body for. How is Christ going to be honored in your body? In what you put into your body and what you don't put into your body? How you seek pleasure? How you view your own body? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made in His likeness. And in how you view God, that you were made by and for Him. And you were redeemed by and for Him. Maybe this idea of your body declaring the greatness of Christ is new to you. Maybe you've never thought of that as part of your salvation. You know, it's, it's funny. We, we make plans and God changes them. I, I planned 
that last week you guys were going to come forward and the elders were going to be willing to pray with anyone who came forward. We were going to have an altar call thing, but we can't really do that. Don't come to my house. Um, but what I want you to do in your home, and maybe you talk about this with your family, maybe you find someone to, to call on the phone this afternoon and talk about this. Have you committed that your body is for declaring Christ as great? Or do you feel the need to recommit that? And this may be an, an acknowledging to God, God, I never thought of that as being part of following you, and I realize I need to. That God, you can take my body wherever you want. You can take my body to Sudan, you can take it to Mongolia, you can take it across the street, you can take my body wherever you want to declare your greatness. Maybe it's something you need to do, maybe it's something you need to stop doing, but would you commit that my body belongs to God for his purposes, to honor Christ, so that when I live, it's for Christ, and when I die, it's for gain. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you made us. We thank you that even when we sin, you've provided salvation for us. And Lord, if, if Lord, would you use my body for your glory? If you're wanting to make that commitment today, just I want you just to pray, God, use my body for your glory. And maybe acknowledge this some way to, to the people in your room. Maybe raise your hand or just nod along. My body is for your glory. You can say that out loud if you want in your, in your living room. Jesus, my body is for your glory. Lord, would you use us? Whether it be through our joy or peace during this time, use us to reach our neighbors. Whether it's some way down the future, Lord, that our our life would be for Christ and our death would be our gain. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.